A monster deal for Red Sox third baseman Rafael Devers. Does he deserve the Nolan Arenado type money that he's going to get? Speaking of third baseman, former Cardinals third baseman Scott Rowland is making a bid to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'll tell you why this is the year that Scotty gets in. And the collapse of the Buffalo Bills' DeMar Hamlin brings back haunting memories in different sports, including baseball. We'll talk about it today on Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinal fans. I'm J.D. Happern, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're also available on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe and comment so you can interact with us. Hit the notification button so you know when new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Well, first and foremost... Welcome to 2023. I hope uh, your New Year's celebrations went well. I hope you had a good time. Uh, I ended up taking a few days off to just kind of kind of refresh, you know, as we start the new year. But now we're back. We're ready to talk some baseball. We're going to start things off today with uh, breaking news in the world of baseball. It's been announced that the Boston Red Sox and star third baseman Rafael Devers have agreed on an 11-year $331 million deal that includes a $20 million signing bonus but does not have a no-trade clause, which I thought was kind of odd. That, that didn't become part of the, the whole package there, but it didn't happen. Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic reports that the extension will begin in 2024. ESPN's Jeff Passan stresses that the deal is not done yet because of the physical exam, which I guess uh, we're going to have to hear that all the time from this day moving forward. Thanks a lot, Carlos Correa and the San Francisco Giants for making that a part of every single contract announcement. Pending, pending the, the the exam, a physical exam will we'll finish it off if the deal is going to be completed or not. Uh, Devers is 26, so I can't imagine why the exam wouldn't go well, <laughs> but he was set to enter his final year of club control. Uh, he and the club recently agreed to a $17.5 million salary for 2023 to avoid arbitration. Uh, he was slated to reach free agency after the upcoming campaign, but Going to be sticking around now for an extra, I don't know, decade or so with this agreement set to take him through the 2034 campaign, uh, his age 37 season, mind you. Uh, once completed, the $331 million guarantee will easily break the record for the largest in franchise history, which was previously held by the $217 million deal that the Bo Sox gave David Price back in the day. Remember, the Cardinals were trying to get him and the Boston Red Sox outbid him. And that's how David Price became a Red Sox instead of a St. Louis Cardinal, which I think worked out nicely for both teams. Really, you know, the the, the Red Sox enjoyed their time with David Price, but I think uh, Cardinal fans would say kind of dodged a bullet there. Uh, it would also be the sixth largest guarantee in MLB history, just ahead of Bryce Harper's deal with the Phillies, while trailing only the deals for Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Francisco Lindor, and Fernando Tatis Jr. 
The average annual value would be $30.09 million per season, and that would place him in the top 25 all time. The number one spot currently held by Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, both with the New York Mets, and both are making $43 million this year. Just this year. Preposterous money, right? Uh, Devers came up in 2017 at the age of 20. Pretty much been a beast since day one. Uh, 162 game average, which is a little bit skewed when you go into the stats here because of the COVID year, which has to kind of guesstimate what they would have hit over an entire season. But either way, 283 batting average, 33 home runs, 107 RBIs, 342 on base percentage, 512 slugging, 854 OPS, and a 124 OPS plus. All right. Now, how good is he compared to... Cardinals third baseman Nolan Arenado. Actually, he's kind of right on par with what Nolan does in the offensive department. Uh, Nolan's 160 game average, 289 batting average, 35 home runs, 113 driven in, 346 on base percentage, 532 slugging, 881 OPS, 124 OPS plus. So he's better than Devers in every single category. And then they tie at uh, 124 for the OPS plus. But defensively, there's no comparison whatsoever. Like, it's not even close. Arenado, let's be honest. Arenado wipes the floor with pretty much every infielder out there. The dude is incredible. But, like, Devers isn't even in the same ballpark as a defensive third baseman as Nolan. Uh, Devers' career fielding percentage is at 941. He's had errors in a season of 14, 24, 22, 14, 22, 14 again this last year. Nolan's highest amount ever was 17 back in 2015, and he still won the gold glove that year. Uh, by the way, Yadier Molina winning the platinum glove for the NL that season. Anthony Rizzo gets the platinum glove in 2016, and since then, Arenado's ha- he's won the platinum glove every single year since. So six years running in a row for one Nolan Arenado. Um, he's just unbelievable defensively. So Devers, yeah, dangerous with the bat defensively, not that great, but Locking up Rafael Devers, I mean, very smart move for Boston. The guy is obviously really, really good. He's only 26. And you've also got the other side of this where, you know, they've lost Mookie Betts, who they traded away uh, instead of paying him in 2020. And then this year, you get outbid by the Padres for Xander Bogarts. So the team needed to keep their young cornerstone third baseman. I mean, this deal had to get done for the Boston Red Sox, right? I mean, you couldn't allow... Rafael Devers to get away, to like walk away from Boston. Like, I, you, can you imagine? I mean, they're still mad about Mookie Betts. And of course, you saw how bent out of shape everybody was about the Xander Bogarts deal. So um, the Red Sox, I mean, they failed miserably last year. Like they were dead last in the ALEs, despite having the sixth highest payroll in the league. Granted, they were still paying a lot of dudes that don't do anything for him anymore, like David Price, $16 million. Jackie Bradley Jr., remember that guy? They're paying him $17.5 million last year. Uh, Chris Sale making a ton of money, couldn't play, was hurt last year. James Paxton was hurt. He was getting $6 million. Uh, J.D. Martinez had a down year. He's now a Dodger. They were paying him $19.35 million last year for very limited offensive uh, production. So it was an overpaid and an underachieving team last year for the Boston Red Sox. But if they lost Devers in free agency or had to trade him, like that would have been even more devastating to this franchise who who is suddenly like looking up at everybody else in their division. Like they're trying to play catch up with the rest of them and, and they're trying to do it with older players. I mean, have you seen some of the guys that Boston has signed this year? 
Like, tell me if you would have been happy if the Cardinals had gone out and spent money on some of these guys. You ready? Justin Turner, 38 years old. Kenley Jansen, you might have liked him in the in the Cardinals bullpen, but 35 years old. Corey Kluber, who I talked about. Eh, let's you can kick the tires on Kluber, but he's 37. Uh, Chris Sales, 34 now. Trevor Story is 30. Uh, Masataka Yoshida, 29 years old. So Story and uh, Yoshida, they're, they're not old, but you know Turner, Jansen, Kluber, those were their big signings this year. Besides Yoshida, and they're all 35 years or older. So not exactly the best look for a team that's trying to compete with, you know, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays. And then how about the upstart Orioles? That's a team I think you people need to keep an eye on the Orioles. They have got a ton, and I mean a ton, of young talent that is just ready to burst onto the scene. I don't know if it's going to be this year that they really make a push because they didn't do anything in free agency really at all. So I don't know if it's going to be this year, but maybe the next year. Look out, man. Baltimore. Baltimore's going to have money, and they're going to have all that young talent just sitting there. And uh, they're just going to need some sort of uh, some big free agent veterans to kind of pull it all together. So uh, look out. Um, it's another reason why, you know, that the Red Sox, if they fall back quickly here in 2023, where they could be massive sellers early on, not just because, you know, they can't afford these guys. We know that's not the problem. Boston's got the money. Boston can pay just about anybody they want. But what's the point in keeping all of these guys if they lose all the time together, right? So um, if they were to decide that, you know, like let's say by June, they're already kind of out of things to start rebooting. And with Devers in the fold, that makes, you know, the reboot a little bit easier. But it's why if I'm the Cardinals, I I'm staying in contact with their GM, uh, Brian O'Halloran, and uh, in case Sale is healthy and looks like his old stuff. Like what, what if Sale comes out and is like, by June, he's like eight and three and has an ERA under three and is striking out people at, uh, you know, those prolific rates that he did a couple of years ago. People are going to want him. And uh, I feel like the, uh, I feel like the Cardinals, they need to keep an eye on that guy. Don't do anything yet. I mean, you know, be patient, but I'm saying if it gets down the road there, you know, don't, don't be, don't be late trying to call up their GM. All right. Uh, Cardinals Hall of Famer Scott Rowland is hoping to get the call. Speaking of calls from Cooperstown this year. Uh, I, for one, think he should get in. I've been saying that the whole time since I, I remember when he, did, when he was playing with the card. I'm like, this is a Hall of Fame type of guy right here. I'm not the only one who thinks that way either, because there are some people out there who don't think Scott Rowland deserves to be in there. But Thomas Harrigan at MLB.com agrees with me, and I'll tell you why he thinks Rowland belongs in the Hall next on Locked on Cardinals. Let's talk about BetOnline.net. If you have not enjoyed the services that BetOnline.net provides, I don't know what you're waiting for because it is a lot of fun to be involved with them and to bet on sports. And they can help you out. BetOnline.net, it's your number one source for sports betting information. They got the stats, the news, the analysis. If you're a first-timer when it comes to betting, it's okay. All right? We understand. You don't have to know all the lingo and everything right away. Go to betonline.net. They've got information to help you uh, place that first, second, third bet, whatever you want to do. It's up to you. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to the college bowl games to uh, basketball. They got it all. Betonline.net. Uh, bowl games, speaking of which, number one, Georgia versus number three, TCU for that national championship on Monday. Uh, the Bulldogs currently a 12.5-point favorite with the over-under at 63. Now, personally, I I just hope that this finals game lives up to everything we saw in the semis because those games were awesome. 
that was a lot of fun to watch. Both games coming down to the wire. I mean, the uh, uh, the Ohio State-Georgia game, like as the ball is dropping in New York and hitting midnight is when that kick is taking place. I mean, how do you time it out any better than that? That was incredible. But if you want to make this game even more interesting for you, don't be shy. Throw some money down on the game at betonline.net. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or you can use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Locked on MLB Prospects host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. We've had him on the show a number of times. He's fantastic. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available where you get podcasts. And uh, we'll talk more with Lindsey moving forward as we you know, get closer to spring training because we want to talk about all the different prospects. You know, I, I can give you my opinions, but this is his wheelhouse is talking about rookies and prospects. He studies it, talks about it. He's in our group chat, just constantly bringing up names, and we're all like, who, what? He knows them all. He knows them all. So uh, be sure to check him out, Locked on MLB Prospects, uh, if you get a chance. Now, when you talk about all-time great St. Louis Cardinals trades, you've got to bring up the deal that they made in 2002 when they traded Mr. No-Hitter himself, Bud Smith, right? <laughs> infielder Placido Polanco and relief pitcher Mike Timlin. They give them uh, all to the Philadelphia Phillies in exchange for relief pitcher Doug Nickel and future Cardinals Hall of Famer and hopefully baseball Hall of Famer Scott Rowland. Now, Rowland was already an established star with the Phillies when the Cardinals were able to, to pluck him. Okay, He uh, was rookie of the year 1997, age of 22, uh, winner of four gold gloves, a silver slugger, all of that done with the Phillies already before he even came to the Cardinals. Grew up in Jasper, Indiana, so he was familiar with St. Louis and, uh, you know, always thought it would be a good place to play. Um, did not want to be in Philadelphia anymore. At the time uh, that this was all starting to, to go down, didn't feel like the Phillies were doing enough to try and win. He had friction with his manager, Larry Boa. Go figure. Scott Rowland having friction with a manager. Um, he had cut off negotiations with the team about a new deal. And then the team did something, which you j I just don't think you do this. The team goes public saying they offered him a 10-year, $140 million deal. And I'm sure that didn't sit well with them, that you know, their, their private discussions about what his future might be they just threw it out there into the public. You know, I think they, until something is done, I don't think you announced that kind of stuff, but I feel like Philly was trying to save face there because they were saying, look, we're trying to keep him. He doesn't want to be here anymore. So apparently the team tried to move him to the Orioles in the offseason, but that didn't work. And uh, seeing that the Phillies needed to get something in return for him because he was going to be a free agent, Cardinals GM Walt Jockety, Mr. Jockety, so cool, swooped in, began talking with the Phillies GM, Ed Wade. And uh, it's funny because when you go back and you read about what was going on with these trade negotiations? You see some of the names, and one of the big negotiating pieces between the Cardinals and the Phillies was the Cardinals' willingness to part with pitching prospect Jimmy Journal. You remember that guy? He was like their top pitching prospect. Never amounted to anything. Nothing whatsoever. But that was the name that the Phillies wanted, and oh, Jockety didn't really want to part with them. They also had some disagreements about who was going to pay what of Roland's remaining salary of that year. Uh, at the time, Roland was batting 259, 17 home runs, 66 ribbies. And um, it was a glorious deal for the Cardinals. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you see the who they gave up. Granted, Polanco was a solid player, but Bud Smith didn't do anything. Timlin was already at the end of his career, basically. 
So you essentially gave a Placido Polanco for Scott Rowland. I mean, come on, come on. That's a win, buddy. Uh, he joins a team already boasting stars, Albert Pujols, Jimmy Edmonds, Edgar Renteria's on this team. JD Drew's on that team. Uh, Tino Martinez was there. Mike Matheny was behind the plate. Um, and it was also, you know, it was also a weird year, though, for the Cardinals in 2002. Um, they kind of needed a shot in the arm there, even though their team was good. Remember, that's the same year that they lost pitcher Daryl Kyle uh, in the month of June, I believe. It was uh, like a month earlier due to a heart attack. Um, so Roland comes over to the team, helps get the team to the NLCS. They lose to the Giants in that series. But, uh, you know, it was it was a lot of winning while Scott Rowland was on this roster. He goes to four straight all-star games after becoming a Cardinal. He wins three more gold gloves. He finishes fourth in the MVP voting in uh, 2004, which was his uh, best career year. Uh, the Cardinals went to two World Series with Rowland on the team. They lost in 2004 to Boston, but end up winning it in 2006 over the Tigers. Rowland hits 421 in that series. It worked out nicely. Unfortunately, more friction with the manager was the reason why he was no longer a Cardinal. He, uh, his relationship with uh, Tony La Russa soured. Uh, part of that was because of the injuries that had occurred. That's kind of where it all started from. So they end up trading him in 2008 to the Blue Jays for Troy Glouse. He plays one full year in Toronto, then gets traded halfway through the next season to the Reds in 2009. Has uh, two more All-Star seasons there before ending his career after the 2012 season. 17 years overall, hit 281, 316 home runs, 1,287 RBIs, won eight gold gloves, seven-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year winner, Silver Slugger winner, World Series champion. I don't know why people don't think Scott Rowland deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I find it odd when people argue with me about this. But there was one guy who was on my on my side, and there's a lot of people who are on my side. I, you know, it, most people think he deserves it, but there are haters out there who just don't like Scott Rowland. Probably a lot of Phillies people are, would not be all that happy about Scott Rowland going into the Hall of Fame. But Thomas Harrigan wrote a piece for MLB.com of why Scott Rowland should be in the Hall of Fame. He gave five reasons. Uh, the first was his defensive skills. Again, he won eight gold gloves, mentioned that. Fourth most all-time among third basemen behind Brooks Robinson, who won the most 16 gold gloves for Brooks Robinson. Uh, Mike Schmidt's got 10. Nolan Arenado's got 10. Uh, Roland's 114 defensive runs saved his 16th all-time at any position. And they didn't start keeping track of that particular stat until 2003. So the first six-plus years of Roland's career aren't included in his uh, defensive runs saved. And he was really, really good in those years, too. He won four gold gloves in those first six years. So I'm guessing his total would be much closer to the top of the list, which is actually Andrelton Simmons, who has 201. Uh, just for what it's worth, Yadier Molina third on the list. Arenado's fourth. Pujols is sixth. And until Arenado came along, um, personally, he was the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen in a Cardinals uniform. The best I've ever seen. Uh, Terry Pendleton was great. Don't get me wrong, but Scotty Rowland just made it look so easy over there. The way, you know, very much the way Arenado does, you know, just makes everything look so easy, so fluid. But the thing that's different about Scott Rowland compared to, you know, say Nolan Arenado is the size. Like Scott Rowland's a huge man, 6'4, 245 pounds during his playing days. I mean, that is a massive man over there. That's first baseman, right fielder type of stuff. Third baseman, 
a little bit smaller usually because they got to be quick. You know, they 250 pounds almost like that. You don't see reactions like that out of big men. The way Scott Rowland reacted to balls down the line and getting into the hole and so like he was incredible. Huge guy, picks it with the best of him, had a cannon for an arm, very accurate. He was a lot of fun to watch. Um, the article also points out that although Rowland's offensive numbers aren't that of the you know the greatest hitting third baseman of all time, guys like Mike Schmidt and Chipper Jones, but he still had a 122 OPS plus. And this it, the bummer part about his career was the injuries, right? You know, 2004, he has that huge year where he hits over 300, 30 something home runs, gets uh fourth in the MVP voting, he even got hurt that year. But he gets that freak shoulder injury when he ran. Remember this guy, he sopped Choi for the Chicago Cubs. Remember, he runs into him at first base, bangs up his shoulder, basically misses the whole 2005 season after that. Like it just was. It was bad, and ultimately that began the issues with Tony Larusa because the 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 reports were that Roland was upset about how he felt like the team didn't tell him the extent of his injury or something, and that started the rift. And I don't know, it became drama. It became drama, and sadly unnecessary drama in a lot of our eyes. But it led to him no longer being a Cardinal. Unfortunately, uh, Roland is one of thirty five hitters with at least two thousand hits, three hundred home runs, and five hundred doubles. 21 of those hitters are in the Hall of Fame. Of the 14 who are not, four of them, Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, Robinson Cano, and Adrian Beltre, are not, you know, they're not eligible yet. Beltre, I think he's going in next. Beltre is going to go win, but um, yeah, they're, they're not eligible for consideration. And then four other people, Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Rafael Palmero, Mandy Ramirez, all linked to PEDs, right? So, He's in elite company, had a 70.1 war per baseball reference, which ranks 10th among third basemen behind nine Hall of Famers. He had at least four war in 11 seasons, which is tied with Wade Boggs for third most among third basemen. The only third baseman with more are Schmidt and Eddie Matthews with 13 each. Uh, Roland produced 46.2 war from 97 to 2004. So they point that out because he was one of the elite players during his prime playing years. So for that seven-year stretch, he was one of the best in baseball, averaging 5.8 war per season. Only two position players had more in that span, Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez. Once again, PED guys. He was inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame in 2019, but the evidence is there. He belongs in Cooperstown, okay? We know this. I know this. Hopefully, the baseball writers get it right. He's gained a higher vote percentage every year since he first became eligible back in 2018, and he was just 47 votes shy last year. So. 2023 should be Roland's year. Should be Roland's year. The question is, what hat will he wear if he gets in? Fingers crossed for an STL on that bronzed face of his. <laughs> you know, the 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 bust that he's going to have. I, I hope it's a Cardinals one. I really do. I can understand why it would be a Philadelphia Phillies one if that's what ends up happening. But I really think it should be a Cardinal. Like, honestly, his best years were with the St. Louis Cardinals. It's just too bad he couldn't finish his career with St. Louis. All right, uh, I want to talk about something serious next. Monday night is when Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin, collapsed on the field at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. It's the biggest story in sports right now, and um, a nation is praying for his recovery, okay? And it's great to see everybody getting together about it. And I just wanted to talk about how it brought up some – some not so great memories in the past for a few sports. Like, um, you know, I feel like this is something that maybe a lot of people did. I want to talk about 
how this affected me. And we'll dive into that next here on Locked on Cardinals. Now, I didn't want to use what happened to Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, as like a bit or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I just kind of wanted to share because, you know, when traumatic things happen in life, talking about them, talking through what you saw, what you were doing, you know, it just helps for a lot of people. And, you know, if you want to talk about what you were doing when this happened on Monday night, feel free to leave comments in the uh, in the comment section below. You know, I'm more than happy to chit chat back and forth with you guys. But I just kind of wanted to share what was going through my mind on Monday night and, uh, you know, in the days and hours since it's happened. Now, for those of you who don't know, I live in the Cincinnati area. OK, that's that's where I work out of. Uh, I work for iHeartRadio. And I work on national sports broadcasts and they get sent out from our Cincinnati hub across the nation. So you could hear my voice in a bunch of different cities all over the place, uh, including St. Louis, New York, Buffalo, West Coast, L.A., Vegas. I'm all over the place. Um, But when this happened, I was right down the street, actually, from the stadium on Monday night when this happened. My, My wife was at the game was very distraught afterwards, a lot of confusion and stuff going on because nobody had any answers yet. Um, But, you know, seeing another human being fight for their life, like right there in front of you, it's traumatic for a lot of people. Um, I was at a a particular establishment down the road and, um, you know, we're all, it's just dead silence, just dead silence going on in the place because everybody's just like, can't believe what we're watching, right? We're seeing this young man fighting for his life, Uh, getting CPR administered to him, hoping that everything's going to be okay. You're seeing football players cry. You're seeing people in the stands just like in shock of of what's going on. Um, I I just remember I was refreshing my phone over and over, just trying to get updates on anything. Um, And then they made the decision to suspend play. So me and my my guy friends, you know, we're all just kind of hanging out and we're like, man, this is, this is rough. And it just started reminding us of different situations where things not exactly the same as this moment, but very similar to this moment had happened. Uh, I brought up Daryl Kyle earlier in this episode about him passing away. Um, what about the blues? Jay Bomeister? Remember that 2020 playing against the ducks, you know, he skates off to the bench, goes into cardiac arrest, collapses on the bench. Uh, they had to suspend play. And uh, ended up continuing that game the following month. But Jay Bomeister's career over, just like that. Um, the one that really stood out to me that it immediately popped in my head, though, was Chris Pronger, 1998 Stanley Cup playoffs against the Detroit Red Wings. So you remember that? He, ta- he takes a shot. He's kind of in front of the net, takes a slap shot, and it hits him just right, like just right in the chest area. He goes down, gets back up, starts to skate, and then just collapses again. And I remember his eyes. His eyes just went so wide. I I thought he died. I thought he died right there on the ice. I had no idea what was going on, but it was very similar, very scary. And, you know, this is a national audience that we're watching, kind of like Monday Night Football, because it was the Stanley Cup playoffs at the time. So everybody's watching freaky stuff, freaky stuff and Thank goodness that, you know, Pronger was okay after that. In fact, he came back and played in the series. So, um, baseball-wise, I it, it the only thing that popped in my head about baseball-wise was when the umpire, John McSherry, collapsed on the turf again in Cincinnati on opening day back in 1996. It, it was seven pitches into opening day. They were playing the uh, Montreal Expos, and he suffers a massive heart attack and just dies right there on the field, just collapses. And everybody... 
it was again one of those situations where everybody's just freaking out you know like we're all scared nobody knows what they're watching nobody knows what the update is you know and especially back then in the 90s like you know the communication we didn't have you know twitter and stuff like none of that stuff happened yet so getting information you just had to wait until the hospital said something and sadly john mcsherry passed away was uh was announced dead on arrival at the hospital uh oddly enough i was also because i was doing the college basketball reports over the weekend and i just randomly started reading about hank gathers if you remember him uh but i was doing these college basketball reports i saw you know his old school loyola marymount and i was like oh gosh i remember the hank gathers and i just kind of you know you know how you go down like a rabbit hole on the internet you start reading about something it just takes you to different places and i was reading about hank gathers and um you know, this situation reminds me of that, too. Back in 1990, he was one of the best basketball players in the country and um, had a heart condition. Had collapsed earlier that season, comes back and then collapses again on the court and dies. Ultimately cost him his life at the age of 23, that that heart condition. So it's scary stuff, man. And it's, um, you know, it's sad to see. As of right now, we don't have a lot of new information here in Cincinnati about Hamlin's condition, but you know we've gotten reports that there have been some signs of improvement, so that's great to hear. Um, what I want to bring up here is Hamlin's Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive, which I'm sure you've heard about this already. He had a goal of $2,500 when he first launched it and has now raised over $6.8 million. Um, I've donated, I've had friends that have donated and I, I, I'm sure there are people out there that would like to. So if you haven't and you want to, I'm not saying you have to, I'm just letting you know, I'm going to put that link in the description down below on our YouTube page and you can click on that. It'll take you to a site. And if you want to donate by all means, you can donate, but, um, I don't know. We're really pulling for this guy. So, uh, hopefully things, things get better for him. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. As always, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals. 